0: Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website dot com. Like I just said, it's website. Go there. Alright, here we are. Doing this podcast one more time. Episode 129. 129 times I've sat down behind this microphone and chattered on about something else or whatnot. Uh, not in the best moods. It's fine. <laughs> I, uh, earlier this week, I was, I kept looking at it. I kept looking at my, uh, my, my old video camera. It, I'm, I'm establishing what it is. I kept looking at it, uh, this past, past couple of weeks. And then I realized that the TV I use is a monitor right there, I'm pointing with my foot. You can't see it on camera, but I was pointing with my foot. The TV I use as a monitor It's a Vizio. Visio's the, like, the only. Television manufacturer that still uses component. It has HDMI plus component. So I hooked up. I plugged in the charger, the charger for the video camera. Let it go for like a couple of a minute or two, and then, I, and then I hooked up, hooked it up to the TV. And I have, I think, about twelve tapes, eleven to twelve tapes. High eight. Let me show you the camera. All right. If you're watching the video, I just reached over to to grab my camera. This is my first video camera. Uh, actually, my only video camera. <laughs> I've only owned two cameras or three cameras. This GoPro, the Canon, and, and this. Uh, this is a Sony, uh, I think it's what it's called, a Hi8 Handycam. It's a Sony Handycam. Uh, it's it's uh, pretty old from like two, the early 2000s. It's got a flip-out LCD, and it's got very, very bad lithium-ion batteries. Uh, <laughs> it's got a, a maneuverable eyepiece. It uh, pops up and everything, and it's got a little light on the front and uh, night shot plus mode, digital zoom 990, optical 20, not good. It has video out, uh, AV out, which is basically like a three millimeter, three point five millimeter plug, and then it goes to component. What if it still has battery from the wedge? It still has battery, <laughs> and as you can see, it turns on. Is well, hey, You can see me if you're watching the video. I urge you to. You can see me. Just uh, oh my god, it's so bad. It's such a bad, like, it's not that good of a camera. Truly, even for the time, it probably wasn't even that good. But you know what? It did its job. It served its purpose. Uh, and so, what I used this for was to uh, make movies in my room. Um, I know where your head's going. It's not that. I used them to make movies in my room. <laughs> and I, I had like a bunch of like old toys uh, that I would just, you know, just make voices and stuff. And I was and I was watching the video and the speaker doesn't work on the camera otherwise I'd play something for you. But I was watching the video and it was m- hearing my voice from the early 2000s when I was a, just a boy was so cr- surreal because I had the highest voice in the world, <laughs> and I have this smooth, seductress voice right here. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I was playing, I, I would be, I would be voicing the characters, and I'd be like this high, hello, it's me. I'm a Lego. Amazing. Wonderful. Uh, one day, one day when I get a, you know when I get famous. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to, I'll just, I'll just digitize them and just put them out or at least little highlights. There are two twice. I made, I made a movie called the Lego movie (laughs) way before the Lego movie existed. And I made the Lego movie too. Um, I made two movies that are, I think about 80 minutes in runtime with no written out story, but there is very specifically both movies have uh, opening credits that I, that I, <laughs> so on the camera, you can, you can do, uh, some text. So I read out the Lego movie too. And the text, uh, and it's just like this very crappy, very blocky text. And you can only like, you only put it up like up top in the middle or you like, it's got a little scroll wheel. So you can scroll and put the, uh, I, mean, I don't know why I'm doing it to myself, but there's a scroll right here. You can just scroll and put text someplace and that's how you type and everything. And I, uh, I this is a very hefty camera. <laughs> and I, uh, I I put out the titles there, but then on pieces of paper, I would rip them up, and I'd write like executive producer Chad White casting Chad White, <laughs> directed by Chad White, written by Chad White, very funny, produced by, I did for, I think the Lego movie too, I did, Exec- I did produced by Chad White, and then I put executive produced by Chad White, <laughs> I didn't give myself top billing with that, executive producer credit, <laughs> before I gave myself regular production credit, <laughs> and also you can't produce produce, so there you go. There's that. That was it. I, uh, there's, uh, Oh, Oh, and the, the camera runs on, I believe, uh, let's see if there's enough battery to get this thing out. See it's going to slowly pop out. This used to be broken. And then I fixed that at some point when I was a, when I was a boy, it runs on eight millimeter Maxwell. Uh, and one of them, two, two of these tapes are just full movies. Uh, one of these might actually, uh, have some Simpsons on it or South park or something like that otherwise i was looking at this and i was like man i like and i just kept thinking oh my gosh like i asked for it it's the only it's like one of three things in my entire life i've ever asked for that i actually got and i'm very surprised by like looking up looking up the uh looking up the camera on google to figure out how to fix the speaker realizing when it came out how young i was like my mother got me that camera it's very nice of her to do that um and it made, it makes me feel like I was Adam Goldberg. If you ever watched the Goldbergs on ABC, which I urge you to do, it's a great sitcom. Uh, but he he had a camera when he was a boy, and now he's he's made that show, and he's putting his home movies on on uh, ABC sometimes. So at the end of the episodes, it's really nice. Anyway, enough of me reminiscing. This this uh, next this first topic, as. as it gives you the reality of what podcasters really do and how much they make and everything. If you ever, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, I don't know if I ever mentioned this last week. I think I probably did, but there are seven hundred and fifty thousand podcasts in the world. So, uh, the fact that any of them make money is insane. But here we go. We actually have a little um, idea. This comes from Lifehacker, written by Lisa Rowan. You'll never make money podcasting. All right, so she gives us a statistic, 750,000 podcasts out there. Uh, Jack Reisider, who writes about the podcast industry at Limelink, estimates that 99% of all podcasts make $0, which is true. When you see the numbers, you'll, you'll, make, you'll make sense in a second. Uh, podcasts can charge typically between $15 and $30 per 1,000 downloads they get per episode. Only 7% of podcasts get $5,000 downloads per episode, according to hosting service Lipson. So if you, the per, uh, right-sider says, uh, if, if your show was getting $5,000 downloads per episode, and you charge $20, $20 uh, CPM per ad, essentially, per ad break, uh, you'd make $100 for that ad. Making $100 a pop uh, to start isn't that bad, but of course, you're not going to get that. Okay, so here's the math. The the top one percent of podcasts are the ones that get thirty five thousand downloads per episode. So thank your WTFs, your Joe Rogan's, your Conan O'Brien's. Uh your uh, I need a friend or (laughs) Conan O'Brien needs a friend. (laughs) I need a friend. (laughs) I need a friend. (laughs) friend. Uh, that's a good title. So imagine, so think about those. And those typically charge between $25 to $50. Selling two ads per episode. A podcast makes $4,000 per episode. But that's just two ads. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. They have like, in two ad breaks, they'll probably have like six ads. It feels like it's so long. Or WTF, Mark Marin has like three sponsors sometimes. So maybe that could, so, so those numbers would uh, differ. <clears throat> uh, there are more than, so th- if you think about Patreon, uh, Patreon is a different way to make money for a podcaster. This microphone is very close to me, and I don't understand why I don't move it. I just keep leaning back in the chair. Now, this chair does not have a support where it can lean back, so it's a rolly chair, so it's going to fall over at some point, and you'll see it. <laughs> I'll keep it in. And I've fallen out of the chair before, uh so uh there are, there are other ad there are other places instead of using ads, which you know you'll probably use ads in conjunction with what the other places are, but you go to Kickstarting, you go go or even Patreon. Patreon is the place where most people make their money. Uh Doughboys, the flagrant ones, name Tube Comedy Podcast, um Talking Simpsons, all of these that's how people make their money. And they have huge followings there. Uh, but I have issues with Patreon. Uh, there, the Ridesider notes that there are more than 9,700 9, podcast creators on creative fundraising platform Patreon. and estimates that 55% of them make less than $30, $30 per month. $30 per month. There's a guy on YouTube I follow. His name is Ant Dude. I think his real name is Anthony. I don't know. But I've been following him for, I don't know, I think maybe ever since he got on uh, YouTube because we're around the same age and he t- he likes Sonic and he talks about Nintendo stuff all the time. Uh, But he has a bone to pick with Microsoft about Xbox. I don't know what his problem is. (laughs) Uh, But he has it. So he's been on YouTube for, let's say, almost a decade. Uh, And he now has a so he has a following on YouTube. Maybe hold on. I can just go to YouTube right now and just look it up. I don't want to throw these numbers out here and feel like a jerk for not getting it right. But he has a, he has a decent following on YouTube. You know, it's not you know, a million people, but I think it's close to half a million at least. So 354,000, which I was way off. But in my head, I said, I said 350,000, so that's close. Uh, but he also started a Patreon. I don't know when, but he started a Patreon at some point within the last couple of years. Uh, and he makes $232 per month. Now, I think Patreon takes out 11%. So 2552. So 232 minus 232 times 12. <laughs> 1284. Uh, and then 1284 times 0.11 equals 306. So, oh, sorry, excuse me, 2784. 2784 minus. So he's getting uh, not that much. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's still breaking two thousand, but he has one hundred and three patrons. Uh, that's people giving at least a dollar per month. Um, and so he's not making a terrible. He's not making a bad amount. That'll pay for you know that'll make that amount will pay for uh, my rent and my car note. So that's a that's a decent amount, and you know, and then he, he you get ad revenue from YouTube. Um, and he doesn't do podcasting, but you know that's just a way of a supplemental way of making money. Uh, so the writer, is, I don't know, says, the antidote then is to reframe why your podcast exists in the first place, or why you want to spend time making it. Um, it's, it's podcasting is, I mean, you know, podcasting is a very, a very odd thing to start doing. Uh, they're right. You should really think about why you want to do this. Uh, why am I? You know, I could ask myself that very question. Why am I doing this? Why am I making this podcast? Why am I doing C plus comedy? Why am I doing News Time? Why am I doing these interviews with uh, comedians? And you know, actually, if you if you if you look at my my recent interviews, I have <laughs> I said to myself, I gotta stop doing people who are I gotta stop doing smaller acts. <laughs> That sounds bad, but I had to, I had to, I had to stop because, uh, when I started doing, and I was thinking about this on the drive back from work, when I started doing C plus comedy, I had nothing. And then after a year I started talking to, you know, people, some people, and then, and, you know, some people were, you, you, I, I guess, I guess we tearing people. No, I don't want to do that, but some people were big and some people weren't. And then, you know, over the years it's been ups, ups and downs in terms of people who are celebrities. Uh, but, but at some point, I got to, like you have to, you have to sit down and go, okay, I can't talk to somebody who this is their first show on VH1 and uh, I've never talked about on VH1, so <laughs> so I'm not crapping on anybody. But this is their first show on VH1 or this is their first album and they self-produced it and it's coming out because uh, that's, not, that's not helping me. And it truly is not helping them. If I only have, you know, a certain amount of likes on Facebook or a certain amount of followers on Twitter, or a certain amount of followers on Instagram. Um, so I think, I figure, you know, if I could, if I could reach in and, and talk to better people anyway, <laughs> that being said, you have to sit down and, and say, why am I doing this? So I guess essentially why, why I'm doing this is to hone my craft as a host and podcasting is the big thing out there. Uh, and you know, you know, at one point, you know, so is YouTube, Uh, but but podcasting is accessible for, and you know, YouTube is to some extent is accessible for everybody too, because you can just sit down and record. If you think about your phone, you can just get an app and it's there, (laughs) you know, you can download, um, what's the one that Spotify bought? Uh, Anchor. You can just download Anchor and record your podcast there. And, And yeah, I mean, it has a time limit and you can only have like two people on and it's stupid, but (laughs) you can do it. And that's, and that's the, that's the point. But then you have people who are enthusiasts like myself and I'll get like a $200 microphone and two very crappy cameras and spend, you know, $30 a month on uh, Adobe stuff, creative cloud, um, just to sit down in front of nobody and say say some words. (laughs) But there you go. Uh, this is something very important. If so, basically, so if you if you look at those numbers, the numbers from the top one percent, uh, the podcast putting out who has who puts out an episode, uh, fifty two weeks a year, and they get at least thirty five thousand downloads for one episode, and they charge uh, the ad breaks with twenty five to fifty dollars per ad break. Uh, they're making four thousand dollars per episode essentially, two ads per episode basically. Um, if you're doing fifty two episodes per year and sold out all the ad slots that's more than two hundred thousand dollars but that's not everybody you know sometimes you'll hear uh podcasters complain that there's no money and, and they'll say it cheekily explain one of the comedians that i that i listen to uh you'll hear like john gabris or you know tawny newsome or hazen and sean uh from hollywood handbook you'll hear them uh, you know say like all $10 I earned or you know all $50 or something like that that $50 you know they'll just they'll say it cheekily uh, but that it's true like that's how much it's not gonna be that much <laughs> you know and 35,000 downloads that's a lot that's not what their podcasts are getting but Conan's gonna get that WTF's gonna get that and that's why they're doing it <laughs> That's I mean you know and then you have uh, older people uh, older podcasts that have been doing this for since the beginning of podcasting who since created podcasting Jimmy Pardo and then there's comedy Bang Bang and and they're I can't imagine that they're making <laughs> as much as a Conan is Conan created podcast though <laughs> I gotta stop doing that Listen we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna come back and maybe finish this off I don't know who cares. <coughs> One. Back. <laughs> before we get to the next story I just want to uh, acknowledge how solemnly I got up in the middle of the break scooted over to the camera to the DSLR sadly pressed the button and scooted back and then just sat down and just like alright I'm going to do this <laughs> but don't worry this next Topic is going to be a little bit more levity. Uh, it's about race. <laughs> this comes from Rebecca's son at The Hollywood Reporter. Warner Media Inclusion Report shows workforce gender parity room for improvement elsewhere. I was, I was uh, scanning over this article, and it is. I, was, I read this last week, and I thought this would be a good uh, whole episode on. Uh, it's kind of a down topic, but it, the numbers are better than what you would think. You know, we talk about diversity in television. We talk about diversity in movies. Just diversity in the entertainment media is uh, very hard right now. And you look at, for me, uh, you look at a comedy writer's room and, and you see, you know, uh, f- f- 90% white people, uh, white dudes, uh, but still white people. And then you see like, <laughs> you see like 10% uh, women and people of color. And you think, well, I'm not going to fit in. You hear about the writer who was fired from, God, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and, and I was thinking about this earlier this morning, and I can't remember what show he was fired from. Uh, he was fired, it was a black writer fired from sh- some show that was about race, and he said the N-word in the, um, in the writer's room, and he got fired. Uh, let me think about that, let me see. Uh, writer gets fired from writer's room for saying N word. The N word. Uh, oh, Star Trek discovery is Walter Mosley. Walter Mosley. He's an. He's an. I believe he's an older man, an older gentleman, an older writer. Uh, and when I say older, I mean like in his forties or fifties. <laughs> Let's see, Walter Mosley. Walter Mosley, writer. Yeah, because he writes for Snowfall. He is an older gentleman. I was right. He was in his sixties, and he got fired from the. This comes from the Hollywood Reporter. Google popped it right up. Uh, he said he said he quits. Uh, he got, but he was. He's no longer writing in the Star Trek Discovery writers room after using the N word. Um, and if you look at the, basically, what happened is somebody in the writers room. They're not. They're not naming names. Said they were uncomfortable. And they did not uh they did not feel comfortable with him saying that word, even though he's a black man and the star of the show is a black person. Uh let's see. Although Mosley who was black did not reveal which show he departed, sources tell him that series, renewed in February for its third season with its third showrunner, has experienced serious issues of abusive language in its writer in the past. I mean, that's stupid. Okay, so he he quit, apparently. let uh, looks say like fire. People were complaining about it. It's so It's so stupid. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. This is just me saying I think I've mentioned this before. But there, there was a long time ago when GTA five came out on 360 and PS3 and... People people love the game, but then the only but the one of the one of the criticisms was they felt uncomfortable with the way Franklin was talking to his two other characters. And uh, Franklin lives in the hood and he uses uh, the N word a lot. And I mean, I get it. I know you're you're white and you're playing this game, uh, but that's I mean, that's just <laughs> It's just the nature of of life, period. And, and then I had to take a step back. I, just, I wrote the punchline to the joke, but to the not to the joke to the story. But you know, you take a step back, and you hear and you listen, and, and all these podcasts that are talking about it. You know, all the IGN podcasts talking about it, the Giant Bomb podcast, all the video game podcast. Indoor Kids was was still a thing at the time, and none of those people were black. <laughs> you know, and that that's the that's the issue. You felt uncomfortable, but that was just norm. Yeah. know, hang out with me and uh, me and some of the guys in college. Let me show you what's up. <laughs> hang out with me and some of the guys and the boys, being my boys in college. Okay, so this is a very. This is it's gonna. You're gonna feel great about hearing this stuff, and you're gonna feel bad about. it. The company Warner Media, Warner Brothers, which rebranded itself from Turner after it was bought by. Um, at <laughs> had to look around and think about that. The company is close to gender parity among employees with 53, 47, 53 to 47%, 53% male, 47% female ratio in the US and 54, 46 worldwide. Amazing. That's wonderful. That's better than I could have expected. Those numbers could have been worse. That is almost 50, 50, which is great. <laughs> it's very close to 50, 50. About three, three degrees off, three percent. Warner Media examined racial representation only among its U.S. workforce, where white people represent sixty-one percent of all employees and eighty percent of vice presidents and above. Ooh. Uh, approximately thirteen percent of Warner Media employees are black, eleven percent are Latinx. I would say Latino, Latino, <laughs> uh, some kind of Spanish. <laughs> and that's <laughs> not racist, guys. And uh, 11% are Asian. More people of color were hired or promoted in 2018, 41%, than currently exist at the manager or executive level, signaling that those ranks will grow more inclusive over time. Qualitatively, the company recognizes 28 employee affinity groups. Uh, let's go back from that. Uh, okay, so the, the, those numbers are great. Those numbers are good. They could be better, especially for the people of color thing. Uh, but the gender parity, wonderful. Um, let's get that. Let's get those numbers tightened up. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't just force it in there. Just blind hire people is what we should do. <laughs> but, uh, but Grace, You know, that's a that's a lot. Sixty-one percent though, and eighty percent executive levels. This reminds me of Disney last year they had uh, four black. I did an episode of News Time on it four black executives leave in, the, in a matter of like in a span of a couple of months uh, and it's because Disney's not telling the stories like, yeah. <laughs> Disney's not doing anything to cater to those people and I was thinking about this I was, I was watching Coco a couple of months ago because I own it no big deal yeah, I still buy movies. <laughs> I was watching Coco a couple of months ago and I was watching the credits because uh, I also do that. I'm so exciting, guys. Uh, <laughs> this is... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say <laughs> So exciting. And if you look at Coco, you'll see the voice cast. Great, beautiful Latino people. I'm not saying Latinx. Great, beautiful Latino people. And then you get to who wrote the movie. And it is uh, like 15 white guys. And then you get to who, yeah, see story by uh, one, two, three, four white people. And then you get to the screenplay. And then it's two white guys. And then you get to Directed By. And it's Lee Unkirk. Unkirk, is that how you pronounce it? Unkirk. And I understand that this person's been at Pixar f- for the longest amount of time. Um, uh, but you, you, there's only so much. There's only so much. Um, you could have given this I guarantee it to anybody else. Oh, or, you know, I don't know if there's like a associate director position, which I doubt there is, but there's a way to give it to somebody of Spanish origin to to make this movie. Or am I getting up this? And then if you look at Moana, Moana has the same thing these beautiful Polynesian people. I don't know if that's the reason. <laughs> I was watching Moana a couple of days ago. Like, like I said, I buy movies. <laughs> You know, for a guy who doesn't like Disney <laughs> I sure do own a couple of Di- a couple of Disney movies. I own those and the uh, Princess and the Frog. I only own the ones with the people of color in it. <laughs> so Mulan. <laughs> I don't own Mulan. I wish I did. I love Mulan. God, if you want to see me break down and cry, just play reflection. She just wants. oh man. She just wants to she doesn't want she doesn't want people to 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 tell her who she is. You look at Moana, beautiful Polynesian people all over this movie. Lynn remember he wrote some sauce. But then there's one, two, three, four, five people who did the story by, who are credited with doing the story by, written by a white guy, directed by two white guys. And you can say, oh, but they're the ones who know how to do it. I think there's a way that the, that the that people of color at Pixar in particular and Disney in particular are, can be given movies and TV. No, it's given movies can be given movies and they're, they're taught along the way. Pixar wants to be this great incubator, but it's not, it's, it's truly not. You can, you can do the hiring from within. You can create a story from within. Uh, you can be as open as you want to talk to your employees and all that, and all that jazz. But in the end, you're just facilitating old white people, especially old white men, uh, doing the things. So let's get back to Warner Media. If you look at some of their shows, Crazy Rich Asians, uh, the movies too, uh, Random Acts of Flyness on HBO, Insecure on HBO, Claws on TNT, uh, they say Supergirl, but hmm. Cartoon Network Steven Universe and Full Frontal with Samantha B. all of those in Full Frontal which I've talked about before uh, Sam B does a blind writer's packet which means that instead of getting a writer's packet with a name on it and I think Conan does this Con- I was listening to uh, Inside Conan the writer's podcast from the from the two head writers over at Conan and they said they do uh, blind packets but a lot of their writers are white I think they have like one Hispanic writer Uh, and they had Dion Cole and then like several years ago but he got big Um, and I think they had one black writer but I don't know (laughs) anyway Uh, but if you look at at all those shows those are the diverse ones and the movies those are the diverse ones those are the ones that are able to and Sam B so she had a blind writers packet Uh, blind writers packet people submit their stuff without their name on it without even them knowing you're a male or female it's so, so if you look at her writer's room, especially that first year, so diverse. Wonderfully diverse. You got people like Ashley Nicole Black up in there. Now she's starring in a, a Black Lady Sketch Show. A Black Lady Sketch Show. We got Claws ending at season four next year and not finished season three. Just watching things on, on apps that aren't <laughs> Netflix or Hulu or even Amazon or even HBO. It's just it's just so tough, like watching stuff on the TBS app. Watching Conan the next morning, which I usually do, uh, even when he's not off for three weeks, like he is right now. He just came back, like two weeks ago, and now he's off for three more weeks. Insane. Uh, <laughs> but but watching watching Conan the next morning on TBS app is just so dreadful because you gotta it's it's just slow and buggy and then. The commercials are like seven minutes long. They're like five minutes. But still. No, they're like three minutes, but still. Let's keep going. The report also examined representation in its content, both on screen and behind the scenes. Here, women lagged farther behind men, representing just 34% of actors in scripted television and 28% in of those in film. Behind the camera, the numbers were lower 23% and 24%, respectively. White actors were featured in 76% of roles in supported TV, the scripted TV and 84% of movie parts while white crew members represented 77% and 80% of those mediums respectively. I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, and then, I mean, that's where, that's where the, um, uh, the inclusion writer comes in. No one is doing this. No one is doing this. Uh, you, it's, it's you should just be able to you should be able to get a job if you're you know in the entertainment industry if you're not white i mean it's it's despicable despicable how you're just how it's just how these numbers are and yeah i understand that these are people who have been in the industry for you know god knows how long but there i guarantee that there are people who are who do just as good a job or better uh that are different race or different sexuality and they're not uh can I get these jobs it's insane seventy seven percent and eighty percent God bless America We just gotta start hiring people baby like me I'm gonna do a good job. Diverse content is what connects both creatively and commercially what? with our audiences. Oh, I didn't finish the sentence. <laughs> and we, only, we know the only way we can put the best content out there is, uh, stop calling it content. This all comes from John Stanking, Warner Media CEO. You can actually read the full report, I've included it inside of the uh, notes, the Constitutionals notes. We'll call those the Constitutionals. It's a very extensive report, 70 pages PDF, and you can see the numbers all in full color you can see the types of people they got here they got some type of uh, xfinity just texted me and i thought it was <laughs> i was like oh my gosh someone's sending me a text and it's just xfinity no one texts me uh this is why i can't ever keep a girlfriend <laughs> Might have just revealed why I'm so sad. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you just see that they're, you see, you see their plan. You see what they're doing. You see the quotes that they've had, that they have. And I don't know why Aquafina is in this, <laughs> but, well, yeah, there you go. Definitely check it out. It's a, it's a good report. I read about a uh, 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 sentence worth, <laughs> but it's very extensive, It's very extensive. Hey, listen, if you like what you heard here, head on over to the website, Uh, where there's an interview with uh, my good friend, Diona Reasonover. She is an actress on NCIS. She replaced Pauly Perrette in the scientist role. <laughs> so she's a main character on NCIS. She's been there for two years now, two and a half, two years. This is the second year. So she's been there for a year and a half. So definitely check it out. It's a really good interview if I do say so myself. Uh, Mostly because I wrote it like it's a portfolio. Like on uh, New York Times, Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. So definitely check it out. I suggest you do. Uh, And then I have one coming out next week and then hopefully a couple more. We'll see. And you can also head on over to YouTube.com Slash People's comedy to see a video version of this podcast. We're going to see me in all of my glory. Hopefully properly lit. I got, I had to set up an extra light because I noticed that the lamp was not doing well for the GoPro. So definitely check that out. And, uh, on youtube.com slash people's comedy. You can also see our premiere show. News time. News time is wonderful. Weekly news show. Like the daily show, except less funny. Uh this we cover an entertainment topic. This week's topic is IPOs. Yet again, this is my second IPO episode. And we talk about Endeavor. Endeavor, Peloton, and We Work, their IPOs and why they failed last week. Two weeks. Last week. Last week. So definitely check it out. And that's it. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SeaWhats Comedy. Me on Instagram and Twitter at Chat Black White. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to youtube.com slash comedy. And that is it for this episode. I'm hanging up, baby.